chapter two part two of the may flower and miscellaneous writings by harriet beecher stowe this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the may flower and miscellaneous writings by harriet beecher stowe chapter two love versus law part two and now let us pass over all the intermediate pounding and grinding and chopping which for the next week foretold approaching festivity in the kitchen of the deacon let us forbear to provoke the appetite of a hungry reader by setting in order before him the minced pies the cranberry tarts the pumpkin pies the doughnuts the cookies and other sweet cakes of every description that sprang into being at the magic touch of black dinah the village priestess on all these solemnities suffice it to say that the day had arrived and the auspicious quilt was spread the invitation had not failed to include the misses silence and susan jones nay the good deacon had pressed gallantry into the matter so far as to be the bearer of the message himself for which he was duly rewarded by a broadside from miss silence giving him what she termed a piece of her mind in the matter of the rights of widows and orphans to all which the good old man listened with great benignity from the beginning to the end and replied with well well miss silence i expect you will think better of this before long there had best not be any hard words about it so saying he took up his hat and walked off while miss silence who felt extremely relieved by having blown off steam declared that it was of no more use to hector old deacon enos than to fire a gun at a bag of cotton wool for all that though she shouldn't go to the quilting nor more should susan but sister why not said the little maiden i think i shall go and susan said this in a tone so mildly positive that silence was amazed what upon arth ails you susan said she opening her eyes with astonishment haven't you any more spirit than to go to deacon enos's when he is doing all he can to ruin us i like deacon enos replied susan he was always kind to me when i was a little girl and i'm not going to believe that he is a bad man now when a young lady states that she is not going to believe a thing good judges of human nature generally give up the case but miss silence to whom the language of opposition and argument was entirely new could scarcely give her ears credit for veracity in the case she therefore repeated over exactly what she said before only in a much louder tone of voice and with much more vehement forms of asseveration a mode of reasoning which if not strictly logical has at least the sanction of very respectable authorities among the enlightened and learned silence replied susan when the storm had spent itself if it did not look like being angry with deacon enos i would stay away to oblige you but it would seem to every one to be taking sides in a quarrel and i never did and never will have any part or lot in such things then you'll just be trod and trampled on all your days susan replied silence but however if you choose to make a fool of yourself i don't 
and so saying she flounced out of the room in great wrath it so happened however that miss silence was one of those who have so little economy in disposing of a fit of anger that it was all used up before the time of execution arrived it followed of consequence that having unburdened her mind freely both to deacon enos and to susan she began to feel very much more comfortable and good-natured and consequent upon that came divers reflections upon the many gossiping opportunities and comforts of a quilting and then the intrusive little reflection what if she should go after all what harm would be done and then the inquiry whether it was not her duty to go and look after susan poor child who had no mother to watch over her in short before the time of preparation arrived miss silence had fully worked herself up to the magnanimous determination of going to the quilting accordingly the next day while susan was standing before her mirror braiding up her pretty hair she was startled by the apparition of miss silence coming into the room as stiff as a changeable silk and a high horn comb could make her and grimly determined was her look well susan said she if you will go to the quilting this afternoon i think it is my duty to go and see to you what would people do if this convenient shelter of duty did not afford them a retreat in cases when they are disposed to change their minds susan suppressed the arch smile that in spite of herself laughed out at the corners of her eyes and told her sister that she was much obliged to her for her care so off they went together silence in the meantime held forth largely on the importance of standing up for one's rights and not letting one's self be trampled on the afternoon passed on the elderly ladies quilted and talked scandal and the younger ones discussed the merits of the various beaux who were expected to give vivacity to the evening entertainment among these the newly arrived joseph adams just from college with all his literary honours thick about him became a prominent subject of conversation it was duly canvassed whether the young gentleman might be called handsome and the affirmative was carried by a large majority although there were some variations and exceptions one of the party declaring his whiskers to be in too high a state of cultivation another maintaining that they were in the exact line of beauty while a third vigorously disputed the point whether he wore whiskers at all it was allowed by all however that he had been a great beau in the town where he had passed his college days it was also inquired into whether he were matrimonially engaged and the negative being understood they diverted themselves with predicting to one another the capture of such a prize each prophecy being received with such disclaimers as come now do be still hush your nonsense and the like at length the long-wished-for hour arrived and one by one the lords of the creation began to make their appearance and one of the last was this much-admired youth that is joe adams that is he was the busy whisper as a tall well-looking young man came into the room with the easy air of one who had seen several things before and was not to be abashed by the combined blaze of all the village beauties 
in truth our friend joseph had made the most of his residence in inn paying his court no less to the graces than the muses his fine person his frank manly air his ready conversation and his faculty of universal adaptation had made his society much coveted among the beau monde of inn and though the place was small he had become familiar with much good society we hardly know whether we may venture to tell our fair readers the whole truth in regard to our hero we will merely hint in the gentlest manner in the world that mr joseph adams being undeniably first in the classics and first in the drawing-room having been gravely commended in his class by his venerable president and gaily flattered in the drawing-room by the elegant miss this and miss that was rather inclining to the opinion that he was an uncommonly fine fellow and even had the assurance to think that under present circumstances he could please without making any great effort a thing which however true it were in point of fact is obviously improper to be thought of by a young man be that as it may he moved about from one to another shaking hands with all the old ladies and listening with the greatest affability to the various comments on his growth and personal appearance his points of resemblance to his father mother grandfather and grandmother which are always detected by the superior acumen of elderly females among the younger ones he at once and with full frankness recognized old schoolmates and partners in various whortleberry chestnut and strawberry excursions and thus called out an abundant flow of conversation nevertheless his eye wandered occasionally around the room as if in search of something not there what could it be it kindled however with an expression of sudden brightness as he perceived the tall and spare figure of miss silence whether owing to the personal fascinations of that lady or to other causes we leave the reader to determine miss silence had predetermined never to speak a word again to uncle jaw or any of his race but she was taken by surprise at the frank extended hand and friendly how do you do it was not in woman to resist so cordial an address from a handsome young man and miss silence gave her hand and replied with a graciousness that amazed herself at this moment also certain soft blue eyes peeped forth from a corner just to see if he looked as he used to yes there he was the same dark mirthful eyes that used to peer on her from behind the corners of the spelling-book at the district school and susan jones gave a deep sigh to those times and then wondered why she happened to think of such nonsense how is your sister little miss susan said joseph why she is here have you not seen her said silence there she is in that corner joseph looked but could scarcely recognize her there stood a tall slender blooming girl that might have been selected as a specimen of that union of perfect health with delicate fairness so characteristic of the young new england beauty she was engaged in telling some merry story to a knot of young girls and the rich colour that like a bright spirit constantly went and came in her cheeks the dimples quick and varying as those of a little brook the clear 
mild eye the clustering curls and above all the happy rejoicing smile and the transparent frankness and simplicity of expression which beamed like sunshine about her all formed a combination of charms that took our hero quite by surprise and when silence who had a remarkable degree of directness in all her dealings called out here susan is joe adams inquiring after you our practised young gentleman felt himself colour to the roots of his hair and for a moment he could scarce recollect that first rudiment of manners to make his bow like a good boy susan coloured also but perceiving the confusion of our hero her countenance assumed an expression of mischievous drollery which helped on by the titter of her companions added not a little to his confusion dense take it thought he what's the matter with me and calling up his courage he dashed into the formidable circle of fair ones and began chattering with one and another calling by name with or without introduction remembering things that never happened with a freedom that was perfectly fascinating really how handsome he has grown thought susan and she coloured deeply when once or twice the dark eyes of our hero made the same observation with regard to herself in that quick intelligible dialect which eyes alone can speak and when the little party dispersed as they did very punctually at nine o'clock our hero requested of miss silence the honour of attending her home an evidence of discriminating taste which materially raised him in the estimation of that lady it was true to be sure that susan walked on the other side of him her little white hand just within his arm and there was something in that light touch that puzzled him unaccountably as might be inferred from the frequency with which miss silence was obliged to bring up the ends of conversation with what did you say what were you going to say and other persevering forms of inquiry with which a regular trained matter-of-fact talker will hunt down a poor fellow-mortal who is in danger of sinking into a comfortable reverie when they parted at the gate however silence gave our hero a hearty invitation to come and see them any time which he mentally regarded as more to the point than anything else that had been said as joseph soberly retraced his way homeward his thoughts by some unaccountable association began to revert to such topics as the loneliness of man by himself the need of kindred spirits the solaces of sympathy and other like matters that night joseph dreamed of trotting along with his dinner-basket to the old brown schoolhouse and vainly endeavouring to overtake susan jones whom he saw with her little pasteboard sunbonnet a few yards in front of him then he was teetering with her on a long board her bright little face glancing up and down while every curl around it seemed to be living with delight and then he was snowballing tom williams for knocking down susan's doll's house or he sat by her on a bench helping her out with a long sum in arithmetic but with the mischievous fatality of dreams the more he ciphered and expounded the longer and more hopeless grew the sum and he awoke in the morning shawing at his ill luck after having done a sum over half a dozen times while susan seemed to be looking on with the same air of arch drollery that he saw on her face the evening before 
joseph said uncle jaw the next morning at breakfast i s'pose squire jones's daughters were not at the quilting yes sir they were said our hero they were both there why you don't say so they certainly were persisted the son well i thought the old gal had too much spunk for that you see there is a quarrel between the deacon and them gals indeed said joseph i thought the deacon never quarrelled with anybody but you see old silence there she will quarrel with him rally that creature is a tough one and uncle jaw leaned back in his chair and contemplated the quarrelsome propensities of miss silence with the satisfaction of a kindred spirit but i'll fix her yet he continued i see how to work it indeed father i did not know that you had anything to do with their affairs hain't i i should like to know if i hain't replied uncle jaw triumphantly now see here joseph you see i mean you shall be a lawyer i'm pretty considerable of a lawyer myself that is for one not college larnt and i'll tell you how it is and thereupon uncle jaw launched forth into the case of the meadow land and the mill and concluded with now joseph this here is a kinder whetstone for you to hone up your wits on in pursuance therefore of this plan of sharpening his wits in the manner aforesaid our hero after breakfast went like a dutiful son directly towards squire jones's doubtless for the purpose of taking ocular survey of the meadow-land mill and stone wall but by some unaccountable mistake lost his way and found himself standing before the door of squire jones's house the old squire had been among the aristocracy of the village and his house had been the ultimate standard of comparison in all matters of style and garniture their big front room instead of being strewn with lumps of sand duly streaked over twice a week was resplendent with a carpet of red yellow and black stripes while a towering pair of long-legged brass andirons scoured to a silvery white gave an air of magnificence to the chimney which was materially increased by the tall brass-headed shovel and tongs which like a decorous starched married couple stood bolt upright in their places on either side the sanctity of the place was still further maintained by keeping the window shutters always closed admitting only so much light as could come in by a round hole at the top of the shutter and it was only on occasions of extraordinary magnificence that the room was thrown open to profane eyes our hero was surprised therefore to find both the doors and windows of this apartment open and symptoms evident of its being in daily occupation the furniture still retained its massive clumsy stiffness but there were various tokens that lighter fingers had been at work there since the notable days of good dame jones there was a vase of flowers on the table two or three books of poetry and a little fairy work-basket from which peeped forth the edges of some worked ruffling there was a small writing-desk and last not least in a lady's collection an album with leaves of every colour of the rainbow containing inscriptions in sundry strong masculine hands to susan indicating that other people had had their eyes open as well as mr joseph adams so said he to himself this quiet little beauty has had admirers after all 
and consequent upon this came another question which was none of his concern to be sure whether the little lady were or were not engaged and from these speculations he was aroused by a light footstep and anon the neat form of susan made its appearance good morning miss jones said he bowing now there is something very comical in the feeling when little boys and girls who have always known each other as plain susan or joseph first meet as mr or miss so-and-so each one feels half disposed half afraid to return to the old familiar form and awkwardly fettered by the recollection that they are no longer children both parties had felt this the evening before when they met in company but now that they were alone together the feeling became still stronger and when susan had requested mr adams to take a chair and mr adams had inquired after miss susan's health there ensued a pause which the longer it continued seemed the more difficult to break and during which susan's pretty face slowly assumed an expression of the ludicrous till she was as near laughing as propriety would admit and mr adams having looked out at the window and up at the mantelpiece and down at the carpet at last looked at susan their eyes met the effect was electrical they both smiled and then laughed outright after which the whole difficulty of conversation vanished susan said joseph do you remember the old schoolhouse i thought that was what you were thinking of said susan but really you have grown and altered so that i could hardly believe my eyes last night nor i mine said joseph with a glance that gave a very complimentary turn to the expression our readers may imagine that after this the conversation proceeded to grow increasingly confidential and interesting that from the account of early life each proceeded to let the other know something of intervening history in the course of which each discovered a number of new and admirable traits in the other such things being matters of very common occurrence in the course of the conversation joseph discovered that it was necessary that susan should have two or three books then in his possession and as promptitude is a great matter in such cases he promised to bring them to-morrow for some time our young friends pursued their acquaintance without a distinct consciousness of anything except that it was a very pleasant thing to be together during the long still afternoons they rambled among the fading woods now illuminated with the radiance of the dying year and sentimentalized and quoted poetry and almost every evening joseph found some errand to bring him to the house a book for miss susan or a bundle of roots and herbs for miss silence or some remarkably fine yarn for her to knit attentions which retained our hero in the good graces of the latter lady and gained him the credit of being a young man that knew how to behave himself as susan was a leading member in the village choir our hero was directly attacked with a violent passion for sacred music which brought him punctually to the singing-school where the young people came together to sing anthems and fuguing tunes and to eat apples and chestnuts it cannot be supposed that all these things passed unnoticed by those wakeful eyes that are ever upon the motions of such bright particular stars and as is usual in such cases many things were known to a certainty which were not yet known to the parties themselves 
the young bells and bow whispered and tittered and passed the original jokes and witticisms common in such cases while the old ladies soberly took the matter in hand when they went out with their knitting to make afternoon visits considering how much money uncle jaw had how much his son would have and what altogether would come to and whether joseph would be a smart man and susan a good housekeeper with all the ifs ands and buts of married life but the most fearful wonders and prognostics crowded around the point what uncle jaw would have to say to the matter his lawsuit with the sisters being well understood as there was every reason it should be it was surmised what two such vigorous belligerents as himself and miss silence would say to the prospect of a matrimonial conjunction it was also reported that deacon enos dudley had a claim to the land which constituted the finest part of susan's portion the loss of which would render the consent of uncle jaw still more doubtful but all this while miss silence knew nothing of the matter for her habit of considering and treating susan as a child seemed to gain strength with time susan was always to be seen to and watched and instructed and taught and miss silence could not conceive that one who could not even make pickles without her to oversee could think of such a matter as setting up housekeeping on her own account to be sure she began to observe an extraordinary change in her sister remarked that lately susan seemed to be getting sort of crazy-headed that she seemed not to have any faculty for anything that she had made gingerbread twice and forgot the ginger one time and put in mustard the other that she shook the salt cellar out in the tablecloth and let the cat into the pantry half a dozen times and that when scolded for these sins of omission or commission she had a fit of crying and did a little worse than before silence was of opinion that susan was getting to be weakly and narvy and actually concocted an unmerciful pitcher of wormwood and boneset which she said was to keep off the shaking weakness that was coming over her in vain poor susan protested that she was well enough miss silence knew better and one evening she entertained mr joseph adams with a long statement of the case in all its bearings and ended with demanding his opinion as a candid listener whether the wormwood and boneset sentence should not be executed poor susan had that very afternoon parted from a knot of young friends who had teased her most unmercifully on the score of attentions received till she began to think the very leaves and stones were so many eyes to pry into her secret feelings and then to have the whole case set in order before the very person too whom she most dreaded certainly he would think she was acting like a fool perhaps he did not mean anything more than friendship after all and she would not for the world have him suppose that she cared a copper more for him than for any other friend or that she was in love of all things so she sat very busy with her knitting work scarcely knowing what she was about till silence called out why susan what a piece of work you are making of that stocking heel what in the world are you doing to it susan dropped her knitting and making some pettish answer escaped out of the room now did you ever said silence laying down the seam she had been cross-stitching what is the matter with her mr adams miss susan is certainly indisposed replied our hero gravely i must get her to take your advice miss silence 
our hero followed susan to the front door where she stood looking out at the moon and begged to know what distressed her of course it was nothing the young lady's usual complaint when in low spirits and to show that she was perfectly easy she began an unsparing attack on a white rose-bush near by susan said joseph laying his hands on hers and in a tone that made her start she shook back her curls and looked up to him with such an innocent confiding face ah my good reader you may go on with this part of the story for yourself we are principled against unveiling the sacred mysteries the thoughts that breathe and words that burn in such little moonlight interviews as these you may fancy all that followed and we can only assure all who are doubtful that under judicious management cases of this kind may be disposed of without wormwood or boneset our hero and heroine were called to sublunary realities by the voice of miss silence who came into the passage to see what upon earth they were doing that lady was satisfied by the representations of so friendly and learned a young man as joseph that nothing immediately alarming was to be apprehended in the case of susan and she retired from that evening susan stepped about with a heart many pounds lighter than before i'll tell you what joseph said uncle jaw i'll tell you what now i hear em tell that you've took and courted that air susan jones now i just want to know if it's true there was an explicitness about this mode of inquiry that took our hero quite by surprise so that he could only reply why sir sir supposing i had would there be any objection to it in your mind don't talk to me said uncle jaw i just want to know if it's true our hero puts his hands in his pockets walked to the window and whistled cause if you have said uncle jaw you may just uncourt as fast as you can for squire jones's daughter won't get a single cent of my money i can tell you that why father susan jones is not to blame for anything that her father did and i'm sure she is a pretty girl enough i don't care if she is pretty what's that to me i've got you through college joseph and a hard time i've had of it a delvin and slavin and here you come and the very first thing you do you must take and court that air squire jones's daughter who was always putting himself up above me besides i mean to have the law on that estate yet and deacon dudley he will have the law too and it will cut off the best piece of land the girl has and when you get married i mean you shall have something it's just a trick of them gals at me but i guess i'll come up with em yet i'm just a-going down to have a regular hash with old silence to let her know she can't come round me that way silence said susan drawing her head into the window and looking apprehensive there's mr adams coming here what joe adams well and what if he is no no sister but it is his father it is uncle jaw well s'pose tis child what scares you s'pose i'm afraid of him if he wants more than i gave him last time i'll put it on so saying miss silence took her knitting-work and marched down into the sitting-room and sat herself bolt upright in an attitude of defiance while poor susan feeling her heart beat unaccountably fast glided out of the room well good morning miss silence said uncle jaw after having scraped his feet on the scraper and scrubbed them on the mat nearly ten minutes in silent deliberation morning sir said silence abbreviating the good 
uncle jaw helped himself to a chair directly in front of the enemy dropped his hat on the floor and surveyed miss silence with a dogged air of satisfaction like one who is sitting down to a regular comfortable quarrel and means to make the most of it miss silence tossed her head disdainfully but scorned to commence hostilities End of chapter two part two